0: In the following program, do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management.
1: Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and Womentowatch.net. Um, if you're tuning in and you would like to call into the show and have an opportunity to talk to my guest this afternoon, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888 888- Three two nine thirty three zero six, 3306 And be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Um, So I'm thrilled to get right to welcoming our guest to the show this afternoon. I'm so happy to have her with me today. Her name is Sarah Hirsch Bordeaux, and Sarah is the founder and CEO of Women Rising, which is a production company that creates content and experiences to empower women and girls. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. So so wonderful to have you here today. Are you calling in from from Austin? I
2: am. I'm calling in from
1: Austin, where I'm in post
2: production on my latest project.
1: Okay, good. Which
2: is a yeah, which is a documentary program and curriculum series that is going to be released in about seven weeks' time. Um, it's a um, sexual assault prevention curriculum that we are doing in a partnership with It's On Us, um, Washington, D.C., and um, it's to basically acknowledge that in order to safeguard our girls in dorm rooms across the country, we need to activate the power and the influence of the men in the locker rooms. So that's what I'm working on now, and it's called Protector.
1: Yeah, you know, I I had that uh, down uh, in my notes to to make sure that we talked about. Is that going to be done ahead of schedule? Oh, I, I'm it's, not sure okay. if I can be that ambitious, but I, you know, I think
2: we're going to be right on time.
1: Okay, well, that's good.
2: Right on time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I thought I read you. that it
1: was due to, to be out towards the end of uh, spring 2017. So I guess, yeah, right on schedule. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, um, Sarah, I would love to, to get started with your backstory and talk a little bit about your growing up years in Austin, Texas, and, and what your childhood was like. Sure.
2: Um, I was born and raised in Austin, and to <clears throat> um, two fantastic parents—a um, mother named Patty, who grew up um, also here in Austin, and was a stay-at-home mom until I was in junior high, and then went back to become to back to resuming her life as an elementary school teacher, as an amazing elementary school teacher. Um, And then to the daughter of of, um, my father, Doug, who both of them are are still here and and still with us and and still just fantastic influences and support. And I have twin brothers, Jeffrey and Ryan, Mm -hmm. and they are um, four years younger than I am. But as the oldest child and oldest Grandchild of eleven, I was—I was kind of always the one that um, was sort of the big sister to everyone, and and that feeling and and um, sense of pride around, you know, kind of helping guide the younger people in my family definitely carried on to later in life and um, resuming that role again, but as mentor and uh, boss and. And now, as um, a director of a company influencing women and girls, so. Well,
1: you know that doesn't surprise but, me. Often, mm-hmm. the oldest, um, and if she happens to be a girl, does kind of take over that, you know, caretaker position. It's true, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it's true.
2: It's very, very true. I've I've written about it. I've I've kind of coached on it as well. And you know, I I think that what I have found across the board is that. Really, that that sense of birth order for women, very important, very very important, and very defining. You know, it's it's very rare that you'll meet an oldest daughter that isn't kind of in charge in some way or or isn't um, kind of responsible for others mm-hmm. in some ways. Most of the female bosses that I've had, most of the you know women senior women in roles. Um, as colleagues have I've, I've found over and over and over again exactly to your point that that we are oldest daughters
1: yeah it's it's interesting and mm-hmm. I've seen that very quite mm-hmm. often on the show and and likewise with uh, being the God, youngest what a great
2: insight yeah yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah mm-hmm. Um, you know what Sarah I'm going to read a quote because one of the things that I think uh, I read about you and it seemed to be across the board is not only your you know, ability to inspire people that you work with and your team, but this kind of uh, focus that you have, and I wondered if it was something you had as a young girl. Um, this quote was was uh, given by Caroline, and help me pronounce her last name, Geigerich? Guy- Geigerich? Geigerich, actually, Ger-Gurich. yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said, Sarah is simply one of the most inspirational people I have ever been lucky enough to know. Her focus is rare. This is what makes her an incredible leader with an uncanny focus in this chaotic world. Um, I loved wow. that. You know, I, I think it's wow. so important, yeah, that she saw in you this ability to regain, I'll say regain that focus um, in a world where we are truly continually um, mm-hmm. distracted. And mm-hmm. was that, you know, was that a trait that you had mm-hmm. at a, as a young girl or something you developed as, as you got older through the work that you've done?
2: That is a really, um, first of all, I'm going to need to send, <laughs> send my good friend Carolina a thank you note for that, because that is a beautiful thing to say. I'm yeah. um, very humbled by that. Um, I, I feel, honestly, that, you know, growing up as a Southern girl in a Southern family, a multi-generational Southern family, Susan, you know, we... Um, I was the first person in my family to actually go on to hold a corporate job mm. first, you know, the, the, first woman in my family to go on to hold a corporate job. And I think that so much of me growing up was just trying to figure out, um, you know, I, I never really felt at, at home, um, in a lot of the traditional upbringing, um, for women that was, you know, kind of shaped around me. Um, that's not that's not to say that, you know, at times I haven't been so jealous of oh my gosh, you know, I it would be it, it it might be easier on my on my body and my in my spirit if I was content with simpler with a simpler structure of life. And for me that I, I just was always, you know, kind of driven to do these crazy things. You know, instead (laughs) of going to summer camp, I lived with a family in Costa Rica when I was 13, um, with no hot water and um, a family that didn't speak any English. But for some reason, that felt right to me at the time. Um, Instead of, you know, having these traditional summer experiences, I was always asking if I could go off on these adventures. And I think maybe from a young age, honestly, if, if I'm being fully vulnerable, which I think is important for all of us as women, especially right now, because we don't get anywhere by being so stoic all the time. We need to feel comfortable enough that we can share and break down Mm -hmm. um, um, and learn from each other is that I don't think I ever really knew what I was here for um, really until the last several years. And it took a lot of breaking apart, breaking down, falling apart, cracking open, um you know there's a beautiful quote that um you know it's it's not until we're broken that we can let the light in. Mm. And I think that that's very very true for, yes. for for my 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 being and my career and and the work that I've done. It's definitely been a a path that has not been smooth and but but, but somehow I, I find myself here in a moment in time, and especially given our climate and the window that women are walking into, that i'm I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And that mm. is the best feeling that um, I think I've ever felt um, professionally in my life mm. is is now. but I wouldn't but but you know, I've had a a you know as as you and I kind of talked in our sort of pre- pre-call. You know, a, a, an extremely varied career, but I wouldn't change any of that. There was the best quote last night. Um, the, amazing Viola De- the, the amazing Viola Davis gave from the stage at the SAG Awards, and and she said that she had read this quote of, you know, it's always important to recognize um, that you want the right kind of regret, mm-hmm. and. I can very much say that. I don't regret any of the choices that I've made or the things that have, you know, happened to me. So I, I think it's as we, as we kind of advance and mentor other women that are coming up behind us that are going to, you know, take where, where we've, you know, taken the space and this window in time to a whole nother level is, is just to kind of map and, and know that regrets are, are real. They are guaranteed, but are you having the right kind of them? I thought that was a very powerful um,
1: insight. Mm. I love that. You know, um, mm-hmm. I I'm wondering, Sarah, if you're able to pinpoint a particular experience that probably in your younger years you looked at as you know a failure, and when in mm-hmm. reality it was just another lesson learned um but may have been a tough one and and how you moved past that and and what was the lesson that you learned from that particular um event sure. or experience are you thinking career focused or just not necessarily personal mm-hmm. personal, uh, personal more so i think those mm-hmm. you know that's really what um mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. you know where the greatest lessons we find are in that personal yeah. development piece yeah I, I definitely think so
2: you know um for me, I'll just sort of map it back to um, you know there was a, there was a, there were two very defining moments for me one when I was 22 and one when I was 23, one professional and one personal. They ironically were in the same window and I don't know if you found this, but I certainly have found it and I, I mentor to this point that you know the the universe kind of gives you whispers that help guide you along, right? So it could it could start as a whisper, and then if you're not paying attention, it gets a little louder. Mm, might yes. get to a talk. Then if it then if you're not paying attention, it might be a light shove, right? Yeah. And then if you're not listening again, yeah. it kind of comes.
1: Knocks you know, with you a horn over <laughs> and
2: knocks you over. Yes. And, and I and I think that those are the the pieces that, you know, I turned 40 this past year, and I I finally feel like I'm getting into this. Oh my God! If I had, you know, what a what a powerful, you know, piece of, of wisdom. And, 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 you know, these moments of wisdom, these are not handed or guaranteed or granted or given. They are earned. <laughs> you know, they are earned. And I think for me, you know, I was, um, I think professionally the, the moment was when I understood the difference between ambition and drive, Okay. At 22 years old, and it was a circumstance that I was in a really, really, really beautiful um, role, um, being very embraced and championed um, early on in my career with the Estee Lauder Companies in New York City,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I I had a, a really just kind of gilded experience there felt very lucky to be there from the beginning, fought to get in, actually said, you know, if you, if, if you won't let me in as a recent college grad, you know, then I'll come up through the janitorial circuit because I know I'm supposed to be here. They thought I was kidding and I wasn't. And then I started to apply for a janitorial job. And, and then they said, all right, all right, you know, maybe we'll, we'll try you out as a temp and luckily I, I earned my way in the door on my own, but um,
1: I think that's I determination was, I would describe that as sheer determination, yeah, yeah,
2: it was it was, but also to that point of focus, honestly, you know maybe maybe that is sort of you know it's interesting that you're saying this because as i'm reflecting i'm I'm thinking of how I hate shopping, i hate <laughs> it i don't i'm I'm very I'm a little unlikely as it relates to sort of girly characteristics or overly feminine characteristics as it relates to, you know, I don't enjoy shopping. I don't like, you know, when I'm stressed out, going to the store is the last thing I want to do. I can relate um, to that
1: 100%. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm the and, same way. And
2: I uh, very much so. And, and um, you know, and and thinking about Steps sort of looking at apartments or buying a dress or something. I mean, I normally just get the, the first one if it feels right. But I think for me, I, early on, I was trying to understand the difference of what instinct felt like. And if instinct was actually, um, you know, something that was out of fear versus out of you know, maybe love and focus, and I think that that's something that, you know, what instinct has a, it definitely has a feeling. It isn't just an idea. It's a feeling, and being able to map to that and and understand that, um, you know, when instinct feels scary, it's not the right thing, even though it feels loud, mm. and. And to be able to to say, okay, I'm getting this instinct, I'm getting this feeling. What is this feeling? It's very, very strong. Oh well, I have a feeling around it. It must mean that I should do it. And most times, that's kind of an opportunity saying you should think about me, but you should say no to me, because I, you know, you don't feel good when you're thinking about saying yes to this choice. And that took me a little while to understand. One of those was leaving that so water companies for. A brief stint at a at um, a film studio in New York, and the second one was um, getting married, you know, when I and getting engaged when I was 23 years old. Um, I was being mailed newspaper clippings from my grandmother and my mother about, you know, here I was in New York trying to make a go of it, and all these women and girls that I'd gone to school with at college you know, we're getting married one after the next. And, and they just kept sending me wedding clippings. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I,
2: and I kept feeling like, oh my God, I'm, you know, am I disappointing them?
0: Oh, am gosh. I not doing
2: what they wanted me to do? Am I, you know, am I not supposed to be here?
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and, you know, at 23 years old, again, if I'll go back to I was the first woman in my family to leave the state and have a corporate job or leave the city really and, and leave and kind of go off and chase sort of a, a, you know, career dream. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a beautiful experience because I would come back and, you know, my, my family has a little Mexican food restaurant here in Austin and I would come back from New York and, my, I come from a very big Lebanese family, so it is ironic that we as a Lebanese family have a Mexican food restaurant. <laughs> the truth. And, um, That's a whole other story, uh, I guess. It's a whole other story. Yeah. And so, you know, sitting there and with the aunties and the grand aunties and the cousins and, you know, here I am and, you know, I walk in and my mom says, oh, you know, we're just going to go and have lunch. Everyone's really excited to see you and I'm just really excited about nachos. So I, you know, I walk in the door and, you know, it was sitting down. You know, I sit down and I'm like, Jesus, mom, this table is freaking enormous. And she said, Oh, you know, it'll be fine. Well, like 16 people later, and I'm at the, you know, head of the table, which is never a place that I've been very comfortable. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I never really have been, um, pursuant to, um, be in the light at all. I've, I've just really enjoyed being a part of projects or work that get the light and that always feels good. But, Oh, I think for, I think for me, the, you know, the experience was recognizing that I actually had a role on behalf of all of these women in my family as the first one to go off. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
2: um, that I felt very responsible to hold space that they weren't allowed to have or they weren't given the opportunity to have. And, that's definitely been a big part of my focus is, um, you know, knowing that the the women that came before me weren't encouraged to chase their own dream. It was more of a family's dream or a mother's dream or a father's dream or a husband's. Yes, right. And so I take that very seriously. And I think on behalf of that, I it's made me feel more and more secure and confident that I'm really not just here for me I'm here for um kind of an you know armies of of other women and girls
1: yeah yeah you know it it's interesting listening t- to you describe you know um you know your work but then kind of reflecting back to those younger years and it must have been difficult i think it's difficult for anyone who somehow feels out of place within yeah. you know your your community or your family or your mm-hmm. space you know mm-hmm. around the people who know and love you most and yet you still have this little you know this we'll say instinct you know that um you're meant for something different i think that probably was hard but yet mm-hmm. it was um you know my my guess is you were always extremely curious about what what was beyond that um you know that I was
2: I was and and you know I'm sure that you all of you know the esteemed women you know myself excluded that you've had on this on your incredible program is it's a it's a you know one thing that I hear all the time from the girls that I've mentored is I don't know what it is but you know they'll say and I, I just I feel like I'm supposed to be in fill in the blank, yes, New right. York, film, yeah. fashion, whatever, and and it's this and it's this feeling of I don't care if I have to eat free hot dogs at bad happy <laughs> hours for a year, yeah. right? And 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 have you know ten you know ten shirts and and two bottoms and that's it for a year so that I can make it because I know with every fiber of my being, I'm supposed to be
1: there, wherever yeah.
2: there is.
1: That's right, right. And I
2: think that we're in a time that it is so essential, not that, you know, we all can't take on every fight. You know, I, I know that I'm here to, to fight and encourage young girls to really follow that, whatever there, there is. And and i think it's just really really exciting that the level of encouragement is so loud you know oh, and that we are just right. another voice in that choir yes that keeps that keeps this volume of freedom that they can step into so loud yeah you know and the more that we talk about our relationships the more that we talk about our experiences the more that Failing is acceptable and championed, and you know the more that quote unquote mistakes are 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 made and learned from, um, you know it's I think that and I and I know this in in, in being from the south and certainly other generations of women they don't talk about things that are uncomfortable, right? No, no you know no. Uh, we are you know if you're in your 30s and, and 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 40s you are the really the first kind of generation of the female gender that expressing a sense of opportunity and vulnerability and fear has actually really been per, you know
1: encouraged permitted that's right that's open, right yes and know, look how many people it's helped you know that, right. that, it's, that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah, let me ask you a question. Let's talk about why girls. Why is it so important to you and, you know, to, to others, uh, and for me as well? I want to know from your, your own personal view, why is it important that we are championing, championing women and girls? What is it going to do for the world? I think that we're in a time and,
2: you know, I'm sure you've heard this beautiful, um, you know, this this beautiful, I guess you could call it a, you know, a, a parable or a, um, a phrase that, you know, we, we can't only champion and lift up half the sky. We have to lift up both. And. I think we can talk about the fiscal ramifications. I think we can talk about the anthropological ramifications. We can talk about the spiritual ramifications, but, you know, we're in a, a, a time and a moment where it just doesn't matter whether you're measuring the efficacy and the strength of an industry or a culture or a boardroom, simply put the if if you are not bringing women to that opportunity in a place of openness and championship, it really affects the success and the value and the future of that entity. It's not anything that has been made up. It's it's simply what is being seen across all of these angles. You know, we're at a, a time now where it does seem kind of shocking that, you know, women are still only making 77 cents to the dollar. You know, the percentage of, you know, I'm less, honestly, Susan, I'm so much less interested in how many women um, are at the board seat or at the board table, because I just want women to feel empowered to do what they feel they are here for.
1: That's right. You know, I have so
2: many friends and and, and family members that are so brilliantly excellent at providing and leading a home in a way that I am definitely not here for. That is that is not my, my strength set, but to watch with the grace and the power that they create this home, that they rear the and grow and and, and mold these beautiful little children and and are enter here in a very different kind of motherly way. I believe that I'm mother, but I believe that I'm mother in very different ways than biologically. You know, I I I I worry and I caretake and I covet and I adore these 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 projects, these entities, these sort of breathing pieces of work that I do that once they're out into the world, I experienced the exact same. I actually sought, you know, a little bit of guidance around it because after I released my first film, I was so depressed. <laughs> I was so depressed and I wasn't When it was sure done,
1: why. right? When it was done. When it was done. Yes. When yes. it was
2: done and it was out into the world and other people were looking at it, it wasn't just mine anymore. I mm-hmm. wasn't holding it tight anymore. It wasn't just inside of me anymore and in my heart anymore. It mm-hmm. was... People were touching it, and they were talking about it, and they were looking at it, and they were taking pictures with it and It was this very strange feeling, and this friend of mine said, "You're going through postpartum." It was the exact same physical I was having a hard time sleeping, I was depressed,
0: yeah, yeah. it
2: was a very, very powerful you know um experience for me. And I think that just back to why is it important? I don't really I'm I'm so less interested with the statistics. I'm so much more interested in are the women that want to be homemakers are they given the tools and the championship to do that to the best of their ability? If a young girl wants to go to New York at 17 years old, not go to college and go straight into culinary is she given the tools that she needs so that she can live the best life she wants? If you're graduating college and you don't have a mentor and you want to break quote unquote your glass ceiling is getting to a c-suite, are you being given the tools that you the tools and championship that you need? I feel like we are in a an opportunity and a and a place where we simply need to be empowering each other to whatever Goal, that set. I'm not interested in in following or, you know, waxing poetic on all of these numbers and goals. Do I believe that we should be paid the same? Yes. Outside of that, I'm not worried about the percentages because what if the women don't want to be there?
0: Mm, Now,
2: if the women do want to be there and they do want to chase that down and they are up one for one, then that's a separate conversation. But to me and what the the message that I want to bring forward is, I want a positive story tell around what we're doing right. I want to encourage further empowerment for whatever track of life or whatever avenue of career or avenue of home or avenue of lifestyle it is that you want. I simply want us to be championing each other because women have a very, very difficult time. It comes from the way that we're raised. It comes from... You know, the vast majority of us, you know, some of us were were athletes growing up. Some of us weren't. But we are very competitive emotionally, very competitive emotionally. And that graduates as we get older. And I feel like it's understanding that premise, understanding that not only philosophy, but reality of the way that we are threatened by each other often. And really, that's where Women Rising was born.
1: Well, so much of what you said, is, you know, resonates with me, um, certainly, Sarah. And I think, you know, putting a spotlight on how far we have come and all the, thi- you know, the yeah. wonderful things that are going on to me is the only yeah. way to kind of keep it going and, and even jumpstart it. Um, listen, we're going to take yeah. a quick break um, for our sponsors. Okay. When we come back, I, I definitely want to get right into um, your first documentary, uh, A Brave Heart. We'll be right back. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area in mid-November, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hema Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215 444 That's montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk860, and womentowatch.net. Uh, I'm thrilled to be joined this afternoon by Sarah Hirsch Bordeaux. And again, Sarah is the founder and CEO of Women Rising. And of course, um, for the listeners, Sarah, I you know I want to be sure everyone is familiar with um, the first documentary you um, directed, A Brave Heart, in 2015, the Lizzie Valesco story and you know one of the things that you know immediately i wanted to know is how knowing her has changed you
2: well lizzie is um she is a spectacular woman on on so many levels i think that the greatest learning that that i've had by working alongside of her and following her and watching her and, and and seeing just the incredible global response to her and what she represents is that choosing positivity is, a, is an active choice. It's a daily practice. And it's something that is definitely driving the kinds of projects that I'm taking. Um, you know, there's a really powerful um, a powerful quote that says, you know, um, you, you speak and you walk into that world, you, you know, you walk into the world that you speak of. And I think that what I was seeing constantly with Lizzie was just this experience she had had by being bullied so publicly and the choice that she made to not only forgive the bully, but to also make daily decisions to choose positivity and, and turn that experience around um, and, and, and create um, a glow around it, if you will. And, you know, basically Lizzie and the line that I wrote for the trailer is bullying stories are known for having victims, not heroes. And I think that that's a a very powerful idea for lots of areas in life Um, because there are lots of areas and instances and experiences and journeys that are not enjoyable, that don't feel good, that do hurt, that do bruise us and do break us open. But it's the recognition of what do you do with that pain? You know, do you build on it and try to create a life lesson for yourself and other people around you? You know, do you bathe in the victimhood in the victimhood every day? Mm-hmm. No. And Lizzie you know, made it very clear from the beginning, as did her family, you know, that, that they they felt incredibly committed to taking this opportunity, um, and the you know, the fame that was generated around her story and be able to build a platform for advancing a conversation forward in a really positive way. Mm. And I think for me, that was so visceral um, and and really kind of the, the most guiding hand that I needed to further validate the kinds of projects that I want to take on and that I want Women Rising to be a part of and the kinds of women that I want to champion and their stories that I want to champion. And I think we're in a a time where lots of, you know, women are starting to come out and find their own light and sometimes they just need a boost.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, you know, her strength, I think, is just such an incredible lesson for all of us especially women Um, you know in case the listeners aren't familiar with the documentary Lizzie um, has a very rare condition um, that didn't allow her to gain weight and she came across a YouTube video that um, labeled her as the ugliest woman in the world Um, any woman or young girl seeing that um, most likely would have been you know crippled emotionally let's say and I think and it had
2: 4 million views.
1: There you go. You know, Oh, and, of course, horrific comments, you know, people chiming in and you think, my goodness, how, you know, clearly they have nothing else in their life. Um, but I think the lesson, you know, how you can change your perspective of something that happens to you is so incredibly powerful. You know, not just the fact that you can turn something around and um, find Something to do in its place, but just the simple act of looking at that experience differently mm-hmm. right really mm-hmm. allows you mm-hmm. to move past the pain and the emotion of it that's right, uh, yeah, and that's that's really what she did um mm-hmm. you know we talk a lot about bullying it's certainly it's 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 in the news every day, and um one of the things I read about is that you know and now
2: even more so
1: in absolutely the last 10 days. yeah. Right. So here's what I want to know in, you know, in working to get some kind of a federal anti-bullying bill passed. What tell me what that would look like? Um, You know, I have I have two children. And of course, I've spoken to them since the day they were born about being kind. You know, to me, it was Mm -hmm. the most important lesson I could ever teach my kids um, is just to be kind. And they were bullied and I was bullied and generations before me were bullied and I think that often um, people are missing why it's different today the severity of it as opposed to when we were all growing up and it wasn't just kind of a kid saying something to you not so nice um, at recess and why there needs to be more done today um, other than just kind of teaching you teaching children to stand up for themselves. So in your view and, and in, you know, with the work that you have done, what kind of a federal, uh, bill could be in place that would actually, uh, make a difference? Well, it's really,
2: you know, two things. I'll, you know, the, the bill that unfortunately still has not even gotten to the floor for a vote. And, um, unfortunately it was it, it was really lacking the support on both sides of the aisle. And now with the um with Congress the the way that it is, it, it it may not get there for a little while longer. But the bill is called the Safe Schools Improvement Act. It was now it's it was actually brought forward ten years ago by Linda Sanchez, a congresswoman out of California. Mm-hmm. And it basically just really involved two levels. It was almost a training wheels bill is the way that I kind of describe it because it wasn't requiring a great deal. It only really yielded two things. The first is that um, bullying be defined clearly, that it would include the words um, you know, harassment and violence, So that it was all tied to the same concept, that the definition has always been very loose. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then the second was that for all schools that take funding, all schools that take state and federal funding, that the um, number of instances of bullying be counted. That was really it. It was really about a definition and a monitoring. And that wasn't even able to get to the floor for a vote. I think that what we're dealing with though, and I'm sure that you know you have have seen this and lots and lots of stories around is you know hurt people hurt people, and we're in a time and have been you know that that the level of 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 unhappiness and depression and um, substance abuse and we're we're in a time where we have a lot of people in this country and in the world because you know our our Kickstarter was backed in more than ten countries. You know we had a a, a very very broad international appeal, right? Um, right. Because of this issue,
0: mm-hmm.
2: completely universal. It, it it really was less about Lizzie and more about this issue, right? And what is it what it how did what does it mean to people, and We heard from many people, both bullies and victims alike. And, you know, if there was one thing that just we would hear from the bullies over and over and over again, the same thing was that they were just in a bad place, made them do something bad. They were hurting. It made them want others to hurt. Right. You know, Which makes so much sense. It really stems. It does. Mm -hmm. And it's not all that complicated. Right. (laughs) That's right. that's right. Not all that complicated mm-hmm. and you could break it down with legalities and congressional votes and Senate support and House support. You could spend a long long time asking, you know, is this bill going to do anything? But what it really comes down to is we're in a time that there are a lot of hurt people and people in pain. And I'm I'm more interested in talking about, okay, how do we you know, build more of a culture of kindness, and Lizzie is at the forefront of doing that. Yes. you know how do we how do we each sort of stand up in a way and make those choices? How do we treat a waitress or a waiter with kindness? How does the table next to me see that? How does that then ripple into the way that they treat their waiter or waitress? Mm-hmm how does then that waiter or waitress treat the mailman when they get home? You know, it is a, it is a domino effect of behavior. And if I think if everybody just sort of embraced the power of simple kindness, simple support, understanding that, you know, we're all walking the same walk and everyone needs the same simple things that I think that, culturally we would have less of a problem of bullying and abuse
1: so here's a question for you Sarah: how do we um or what do we say to those who feel um that it might be naive to believe that a simple act of kindness um can be so powerful i know it to be true you know it to be true um we've seen it you know that that ripple effect that you speak of absolutely happens but in in this world where there's such fear around you know we have terrorism in the world and when we talk about kindness and its power sometimes it is um, spoken of as, as naive and something that couldn't possibly affect um, or change the issues that are so deep w- what What mm-hmm. do you say to that?
2: Well I'm um... You know, I'm, I'll am i just sort of speak on a very simple level. There is a chemical reaction that happens when you are nice to someone and you bring out joy in yourself and someone else. And there's a, a very equal chemical reaction, but on the negative side of when you act from a place of fear or hatred or negativity that has a way to make you feel. I feel like if, if people even would take, you know, for one day, maybe spend the morning being kind and the afternoon exercising negativity and see what part of the day you feel better. <laughs> it, That's a great it, experiment, it, it has, yeah. It, it has to start from within. Mm-hmm. It's all about how do you feel. Do you feel loved and supported and thanked? and 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 championed that's what kindness yields do you feel afraid and nervous and insecure that's what negativity yields Mm -hmm. so i think that we're again kind of going back this isn't complicated (laughs) it's very very simple you know if most things are
1: most things are i think we over yeah yeah, analyze most things today yeah yeah
2: If hurt people hurt people then how could it not be the same that happy people oh sorry something something just went out how then then how would it how would it be any different for a happy person person to instill more happiness yeah it's 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 um I think that we're in a prob- we're in a generation and a culture where we're simply overthinking. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that we're in a time and a place that because of the bounty and the omnipresent social distractions, be it digitally, mostly digitally, and that that universe that, you know, we all can very easily find ourselves in of going down these rabbit holes. Mm. Of volume and clutter and hateful words and um, what you're absorbing. You're absorbing that. Every you know every blink of an eyelash that you're taking in with your eyes. You're absorbing mm-hmm. every thing that you're reading out loud. Or oh my God, did you hear this? Or the sharing. All of that is just one more ounce of 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 negativity and pain. Mm-hmm. And I think that if if everyone would just Take a step back and and acknowledge that these words matter, these actions matter, everything holds weight and holds power and it's simply what you spend your time doing. Are you spending your time um, propelling negativity or are you spending your time instilling goodness or light? And all of that has a feeling for you.
1: That's right. <clears throat> that's that's right. That's so true. Um, Sarah, I want to give you a couple minutes to talk about the the next film that you're working on. And you know, a lot these are all kind of heavy topics that that we're talking about, but they're important. And you're now um, directing and producing "Protect Her," um, which mm-hmm. is um, kind of a first of its kind film around the topic mm-hmm. of sexual assault. Um, excuse me, Sexual Assault on Campuses. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk for a few minutes about what you have learned and are learning by doing this film and how is it that that you will be empowering uh, male athletes um, and and bring some awareness to both them and, and the young women in these schools and universities. Sure. I think in the
2: same way that I was drawn to Lizzie and her story was it was a... It was a negative issue that was creating a positive world around it. And I think that when I came upon, um, you know, a, a good friend of mine, Alexis Jones, started um, a nonprofit called I Am That Girl. And it's now um, over a million girls in 20-some-odd countries, and, and it's done incredibly well, and it's all anchored in building additional confidence and support and and championship for girls in high school, junior high and high school. And one thing that she started getting asked to do was come and speak to boys about the issues that girls were facing. So she started getting invited into, um, you know, clubs and then started to get invited into male locker rooms. And the one thing that she realized was that the men were – kind of this missing piece to help push girls, the, you know, the the issue of confidence for girls mm-hmm. over the edge that, you know, we had been spending decades, you know, really focused on girls, feel better, you know, girls, you know, feel better about yourself. But we were missing that other part of the dialogue, which was how are men making women feel? Right. Not how are women making themselves feel. So she started to, you know, spend more time there and was really starting to see the needle move. Well, then she got asked if she would speak um, at a locker room who had uh, for a school that had just received um, charges against it for sexual assault. And a couple of the players were actually being charged with um, gang raping a young girl on campus. And... What Alexis was finding were that, you know, it isn't uh, – unfortunately, these male athletes, um, fortunately and unfortunately, these male athletes are getting all the attention, you know, but they're also the influencers that everyone is watching. All the other boys, all the other guys, all the girls, everyone's watching how these boys talk about women, how these boys treat women, and she started – telling me about this and what was extremely exciting to me was the part of the conversation of how do we create a positive angle out of a story that is happening on every single campus because whether you are a survivor or not you believe and you recognize that we need men as part of the solution We then started getting um, involved with It's On Us, and Vice President Biden and President Obama had started this initiative called It's On Us, which was really about bringing men into the conversation of how we treat our women and girls. Mm -hmm. And so we have been in development around a curriculum series that is going to be four parts. It's video-based. It's going to be licensed to NCAA schools across the country. And it is all about recognizing that we need men to participate in this conversation to better protect the women and girls in their lives. It's about redefining bro code. It's about telling these boys that vulnerability is okay, that what does manhood really mean? How do we, you know, where did you learn? What manhood meant and how do we help you understand. And certainly, it's you know I am not I am not a I am not an athlete nor a man, but we're going to the very best people that we know in the sports industry. We have Heisman Trophy winners. We have um, network analysts that are that that work in college football. We have pro athletes. We have NBA coaches. We have an incredible choir and. Um, army of what we're calling, you know, the protectors that really speak to how these guys can relate to this issue and how quickly it can all go away. Um, So I'm directing and producing Protector, and that's what we're in the middle of doing the post-production of, and it's something that I'm really proud of, and um, we'll be premiering the trailer here in about 10 days. Okay. Okay. And it's something that I I'm I'm very very excited about. And then last week I directed and produced the uh, rally for the Women's March of Texas. It was 100,000 people, an incredible incredible event. And so I'm definitely keeping my my soul and my spirit in in, in both sides, both the event side and the um, content side.
1: Yeah. Do you have, Sarah, is there anything that, um, you know, beyond this particular movie, protect her after that comes out, is there, is there another topic that you've kind of been, um, you know, thinking about that you might want to cover, um, or do a story on? Yeah.
2: I think my next, my next, um, area is really going to be around resilience. Okay. Um, and about, what does it take to get up when you've been knocked down?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think we're going to be looking at that possibly as um a film anchored in one particular American city and what this city has undergone, and um, we're in development on it. and I'm very excited about it. okay. You can't say the city I or think, I can't okay, I can't yet, but That's we're okay. we're at a time we're at a time where I feel that everyone needs to be reminded of the goodness that's here yeah. and what we're, what our fabric is, what we're made of. Um, you know, this is going to be probably women's stories and men's stories that have been rebuilt alongside of a, an American city that is being rebuilt and reconfigured for stronger foundation and, and, and a stronger fabric. I think that where we are, and I've been very inspired by what I've seen and felt in the last month
1: that's so great um, to hear that is so great to yeah. hear um,
2: Thank
1: you yeah i i I wish we had time to talk about you know what what it takes to get these films made i mean you it's a lot of work i you know, and to get the funding. Uh, And then all of the, you know, the research and, you know, it's hard hard. and, you know, I think that you're an example of resilience because just sticking to these projects and seeing them through from from conception, you know, of idea to the end, um, I would say is a great example of resilience because I'm sure it, it goes up and down and up and down.
2: Thank you. There's nothing easy about being an independent filmmaker. There's nothing easy about being an entrepreneur. Um, I think that what gets easier is the art of asking. There you go. For help. Right, right. Um, And I think that that's um, something that, you know, I need to, I remind myself or I try to all the time. But, you know, I I think what I can say and part, is that there are lots of ways for women to join in in a conversation and a in a movement mm-hmm. i think that there can be the smallest actions all the way up to enormous enormous gestures and enormous commitments and it's just being a participant that's important that's right so That's thank you right. so much oh, for
1: having me. Sarah, thank you so much. I, I greatly appreciate it. I know how busy you are, and um, I, I'm so grateful that you gave us a, an hour today to talk about your story and, and the great work that you're doing. I wish you continued success. Thank you for your work. Take care. Take care. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Be sure to uh, visit our website to see who's coming on the show next at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net Have a great week.